welcome to the Onyx Pathcast. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Webb, and with me are Matthew Dawkins. Hello. And Dixie Cochran. Hello. And we are fresh off of our impromptu Mario Kart uh, uh, <laughs> game. Yeah, we missed a trick there. Our intro should have been, let's go! Um, <laughs> similar. Don't, don't tell them that we take time out of our recording schedule to play Mario Kart on the Switch. <laughs> Well, it is part of it was research purposes because we are looking into possibly doing other things with uh, the Onyx Path uh, Twitch channel, and one of them is the fact that we might be able to do video games on there. And so we all had Mario Kart Eight. We thought, hey, maybe we'd try and see how that works and possibly do something for Twitch games. So we're still exploring that, but it was a it was a justification for why we did three races where I lost all of them. So. <laughs> it's the only way we can get the Nintendo sponsorship. If I hadn't hit myself with my own green shell at the very end there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that was that was very sad. Deep deeply tragic. <laughs> For those of you who have not played online Mario Kart, um uh whenever someone wins one of the races, uh, they get a little crown that their avatar can wear. Um I do not have one of these crowns yet. Everybody else <laughs> has one. <laughs> I did not. It was really funny, actually. We we came back from one of the races. We were selecting the next race. And the way that our little me avatars had converged on the globe we're on, it looked like Matthew and myself were just bullying Eddie for not having a crown. <laughs> like, we were just, just, just berating him for being crownless. <laughs> oh, poor Eddie. Yes. Um, but that, uh, to avoid this becoming um, uh, the... the Nintendo Switch Pathcast. Um, Onyx Switchcast. Onyx Switchcast. There we go. That's even better. Um, this week, we are actually going to talk about a different game, one of our games, um, Deviant. We're actually going to do a, uh, a deep dive on uh, Deviant the Renegades. Um, and uh, rather than the three of us talking about it, we actually thought it would be cool to bring uh, Eric Zawadzki on to have him talk because he loves talking about Deviant. He's really excited about I mean, uh, the product. Also because he's one of the developers. Like... I mean, yes, he is, he, is, he is one of the developers. <laughs> but I mean, uh, I, I assume that that was understood. My apologies. Uh, yes, he's he's one of the developers for Deviant, but also he's he's very passionate about it. Um, and uh, uh, it, it's it's not rare that hair developer that's like really excited about their game. But it is you know exciting to hear someone who would love to actually talk about what's cool about it, what's engaging about it, and especially for a newer property like Deviant, it's not um, a second edition of an established game. It's a whole new area of the Chronicles Darkness to explore. So we thought it made more sense to, to have Dixie and I kind of chat with him and have him talk about what was really exciting and, and go into the depth of what uh, Deviant the Renegades could do. So let's go ahead and talk, go talk to Eric. And we are here with uh, Eric to start talking about Deviant the Renegades. Renegades, Renegades, Renegades? Renegades. Renegades. Why do people always want Renegades. to make it one? If there's only one, the game is not exciting. Deviant, uh, one renegade, one single renegade, and everybody else has to play baselines. <laughs> That's all you get. Um, uh, so thank you for coming on, Eric. Appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having us, having me. Us, what do I, now us. I'm turtle somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Eric, whole cohort is here. Um, <laughs> Eric has some kind of variation that gives him cloning abilities, like the character oh I so played oh. in the, <laughs> the playtest at Midwinter. A true, true fact, my, uh, when people talk about like what superpower you wish you had, I, mine is always multi-locationality, being able to be in more than one place at a time and actually act in those different locations because yeah. I always have so, much so many other things I want to do. 
Yes. It's just I like, like I feel like most freelancers would just use that to overwork themselves more. It, it's very true. <laughs> it's very, very true. Although well, we if, enjoy I it. Couple, if I had a couple <laughs> clones, I'd be really excited because they could do things like edit books and write books and mm-hmm. I could play Fire Emblem forever. <laughs> it would be fun to do that right. too. Um, but yeah, and actually, at the time of this recording, I know, I know, I know, we're not supposed to state these, but in this case, we're intentional. But we do it. every episode. I know. But this time <laughs> it's intentional. This time it's not accidental. It's not Matthew just blurting out random factual information. We're actually intentionally dating this because uh, we are in the middle of the Deviant, the Renegades Kickstarter. Um, I don't know about the extras every time now. <laughs> um, but uh, at this point, we're about $55,000, so we're definitely uh, funded. We're actually, I think, uh, like 125% funded about there. Yeah. Almost 160. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, uh, 160 is going to be our next stretch goal. So Sweet. Yeah, and we are $500 from that as of right this second. I know. I feel like I'm part of a telethon here. Right? <laughs> it really is. Kickstarter really is like that. We, we should start bit. doing that for those uh, possible live episodes. Just do a telethon. Oh, <laughs> Every dollar you contribute will reveal one fact about whatever Kickstarter is going on right now. Oh, heck, just post something <laughs> oh, on gosh. the forums and you'll, I'll probably fess up to something. <laughs> wait for the money. Wait for the money, Eric. Yeah, boy. That's hard. <laughs> extroverted, extroverted creative types are just like, we're just a danger to ourselves and others because I spend <laughs> all of this time alone by necessity to actually get stuff done. But whenever I'm doing that, I really want to talk about what I'm working on. And whenever I'm talking about what I'm working on, I really want to go back and start working on it some more. It's just, I can't win. I get well, multi-locationality. <laughs> yeah, there, totally. And, well, that's why we got you on here is because um, we had a lot of fun during your interview. Um, and we want to make sure we give you like a whole hour to kind of talk about this because it is a new Chronicles of Darkness game. This is not a second edition of an existing Chronicles Darkness game. This is not an old World Darkness property being reimagined for Chronicles. This is a totally new thing. So in case people didn't hear your interview, maybe give us kind of a high-level thing of what Deviant the Renegades is all about. <laughs> Gades. Gades. <laughs> I don't need that many yeses, I don't think. Uh, in summary, uh, Deviant is, in Deviant the Renegades, you play uh, humans who've been transformed uh by exposure to the supernatural, by other humans. Um, you are a sort of living Rosetta Stone for uh, people who ha- look upon the supernatural with avarice. They want to understand it, they want to control it, um, they want to replicate it in a lot of cases. Um, but the process of gaining these abilities damages your soul in such a way that you have a drive to either protect the people you love or care about to a sometimes unhealthy degree. Um, but you will, and you also have a drive for to destroy those who you hate or oppose you. Uh, conspiracies being often not ta- willing to take no for an answer as they hunt you down to try to get you to use their power, your powers for them or to study your powers or vivisect uh, <laughs> you. So you, they can study your powers tend to get yeah. your conviction, attention, your, your sense of vengeance going real fast. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're playing the renegades, the people who have decided that they do not want to work for the conspiracies. They want to be free and they want to take down the ones who've wronged them. Okay. Um, And so you're, you're, you're playing one of the, these, these renegades. Um, What is kind of, 
character creation look like? What kind of groups can be a part of? What kind of choices do you make character creation? How does it differ from default chronicles, that kind of stuff? Well, it has uh, two main axes, as a lot of these, uh, a lot of Chronicles of Darkness games do. You have your origin, mm-hmm. which is the circumstances under which you undertook, or underwent the divergence. Uh, you may have gone through there willingly. Uh, you may have gone through under sort of false pretenses. Hey, you're going to get some a special cancer treatment, but just kidding, we're going to break your soul and try to oh. understand how that works. Yeah, that's that's the like Wade Wilson Deadpool school of uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll get into inspirations a little bit in a little bit, but uh, gosh, that's going to be a long list. I can't even begin them. But anyway, um, you have people who were definitely decidedly unwilling. Uh, you know, you know, black bag over the head. You know, you fit the profile, so we're going to drag you off and experiment on you. That's Wolverine. Yep, Wolverine. I'm going to keep throwing in examples. Yep, you have the people who are born with at least born or destined to have. Uh, these abilities or have this event happen to them. So you have your Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you have your uh, Orphan Black. Um, uh, those, also Wolverine be... and every other X-Men. <laughs> yeah, X-Men definitely definitely fit in there. I grew up on the 90s X-Men cartoon, so... Same. Yeah. I know you can't help but sing it every time you hear about it. <laughs> True, it's true. It's so good. And then, it's so good. And then you have the accidents. Um, the Hulk. Me. A good example. Oh. You? Like you? Like real life? Yeah, yeah. I'm an accident. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so many questions. Yeah, okay. You both know me. Come on. <laughs> um, so that's the, the, first, uh, the, the first axis. Then the second one is what's called clade, um, which is kind of how your powers manifest how they work. Um, there's a lot of flexibility as far as what you are able to take. I mean, being part of one clay doesn't exclude you from using powers of the others, um, or, nor does it force you to take abilities that are associated with your clade. Um, it's just that it, you have a trend toward that, a statistical, uh, a statistical tendency toward toward the, the clade variations, and also uh, sort of additional abilities called adaptations that are specific to clades. Um, for mm. example, uh, coactives can sacrifice their... Um, oh, well, maybe I should explain what these are first. <laughs> All right, let's back <laughs> up. Um, you have the cephalus who are the psychics. Uh, they're the ones who, whatever happened to them, whether it was um, wacky experiments with technology or whether it was having strange materials or, sub- or uh, energies inserted into them or whether it was having... Uh, been mixed with some other animal or creature, um, their mind broke in the process. The trauma was what released that power. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they manifest uh, uh, these psychic abilities. Uh, and their adaptation, the main adaptation is that um, when they get, if they, they can spend willpower, and they can basically like exert additional energy to increase the power of one of their powers. Um, temporarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's what they do. Um, so in case anybody was wondering, this is how you play Eleven from Stranger Things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Eleven is a good example of a cephalist. It's going to be my entire um, contribution to this conversation. Is just, <laughs> this is random pop culture well, references. Hey, pop culture references are my jam. <laughs> like that's, that's true. <laughs> this is where I'm most useful. <laughs> and, and this game, like, really invites it. Like, I, I've got people who've been 
you know, on the on the uh, comment section going, why didn't you put this in the inspirations? I'm like, dudes, I have like only so many words to work with, and this the list is huge. Although for um, those listening, I've already looked at the list, and we might be adding some stuff to it because I think we have some room. Because <laughs> the list isn't that okay. big, and I, th- I think we can add a few more to it. Have you seen Dave's? <laughs> like I have. I'm actually looking at Dave's in the oh Slack gosh. right now in case yeah. we wanted to uh, yeah. list it off later. Yeah, I think I added like all of two because I'm like, there's already so many here and I don't have a lot of space. Um, but I will case, say you added like nine. I added nine? Okay. Yeah. I'm very maybe, proud of maybe you. I, maybe <laughs> I, I'm misremembering this, but yeah. There's, uh, uh, in any case, um, well, that's the stuff list. The... Um, Chimerics are hybrids of a human and some other living thing. They're, they're mm-hmm. basically a mixing biological materials. Um, so your, uh, I should turn to remember, doc, the island of Dr. Moreau. Uh, the, the fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fly. Yep. The fly. Um, ones of that, types of things of that nature, um, where you're combining two different creatures. And uh, they're, with... With Cephalus, you're not surprisingly, you have a lot of telepathic, a lot of mind powers, astral projection, um, things that are there, like, that's their, like, their special clade, their clade variations, their clade powers are very much, like, mental stuff. With Chimerics, they're, they're masters of both, of both the species. They're, they, they blend in with, every, with both uh, groups of people. So you have ones that allow you to temporarily hide your your uh, abilities or and your and your scars which are like the uh the the disadvantages that come with the, with the variations that come with the powers um you can um there's a whole there's a social set where it like convinces everyone that you meet that you are part of their they treat you like you're a member of their family unit hmm. um yeah so stuff like that uh there's uh, an animal transformation power in there so they're very much about being two different creatures or being able to blend in with multiple different species or multiple different social groups. Uh, their specific adaptation is that they can reduce the severity of one of their scars, one of the disadvantages temporarily. Okay. So again, hiding, uh, hiding what they are. Uh, then you have the coactives um, who are the infused, they have uh, some sort of either energy, whether it's arcane energy or natural energy like electricity, uh, that is uh, is put in, uh, is a part of them now. Um, mm-hmm. The Hulk would qualify. Um, uh, Buffy would qualify. Buffy the Empire Slayer. Um, I thought you meant the other Buffy. I was so confused for a minute. <laughs> I don't know. These kids today have all sorts of things. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm sure they're remaking the Princess Bride. Ah, these kids. Uh, yeah, well, I think they're just trying to keep their copyright in place. More than yeah. That's why they're remaking all of these movies. That, you know, <laughs> kind of object to them remaking, but what can you do? Anyway. Um, anyway, <laughs> so... Uh, coactives are kind of the most... Um, most prone to interacting with other supernatural creatures. Now, Deviant doesn't do explicit crossover in the core. It's that that's too big of a topic for a lot of a lot of reasons for a yep. core book. And Which we've said with like every Chronicles core, because people are always like crossover. True. We're like it. That, that, that's a whole book, and then we made a book yeah, called Deviant Chronicle. Go, go yeah, with that. It's true. And, and <laughs> even if you're just talking about like inc- incorporating some like uh, kind of like what um, 
Beast did, where it had like sort of little short versions of of a whole bunch of like one of each of the major splats uh, to kind of. So if you don't have to buy all the books, but you have some way of representing a mummy or right. a, a vampire or a mage within your game. So, but even that, you know, that doesn't come until the storyteller's guide, as I recall. Right. Um, so, is, it, is that beast or demon? Oh my gosh, I've worked on so many things. <laughs> it's hard to keep track of them anymore. Um, but in any case, um, but it, it, it's something for a little bit later on. I want to do some form of... Uh, like of of that kind of like here's you know how to incorporate their abilities a little bit and right. reflect that. But uh, the big challenge there is going to be conspiracies, which someone on the on the comment section already noticed and was asking about. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I can't do this in the corps. <laughs> not enough, there's just not enough space to do it right. Right. Um, but the coactives are the ones that are they have abilities that mess with other other splats the most. Um, so you have one where they can. Uh, figure out someone's true name mm-hmm. or erase it or change it oh, at high wow. levels. Nice. Yeah. So it's like, okay. And the thing is, it's like, how much does that matter in, in a regular, to a regular person? Probably not a lot. There's a, there's a stat stuff involved. There's some like mechanics around it. But what, at the end of the day, it's only scary if you have a mage as an enemy or a demon as mm-hmm. an enemy. Um, and uh, that, and then it becomes suddenly very important that they not know that you can do that. Um, or there's also, uh, uh, one that just, you know, makes you able to resist or counter or, uh, remove the effects of other supernatural creatures temporarily. Um, so things of that nature, it also deals with luck. Uh, there's a precognition power in there. Um, so they're very much, um, otherworldly. In, in the very real sense of, of that, which mm-hmm. makes sense, you know, since most of them are, or at least a very significant percentage of them are, uh, have had contact with some sort of ephemeral being or, or other uh, supernatural energy. Right. And their specific ability, their, their adaptation is that they can uh, choose to take an, a small amount of damage in order to, uh, to boost one of their uh, variations temporarily. So similar to the cephalist, but physical instead of mental. Uh, so um, another example of uh, uh, of coactive in terms of cap- capabilities, although they're not quite as scarred as as we'd like them to be. Jedi mm-hmm. would be coactive because you're feeling an energy force and you're doing something with it, manipulating it. Um, so that would that would fit. Uh, and I, when I was reading the coactive write up the first time, I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's very, very much like that." Or, or the, like the, like the way it came across sounded very much like that. Or I don't know, Randall Thor, <laughs> right? Get back in the old Will of Time, which is uh, uh, pretty far back in my reading past, but um, but that you know, it's an external energy. It's some, it's a force that you that you manipulate. That it's part of you. Is that all the plates then? Oh, two more. We've got invasives oh. uh, who are. Uh, you said I have an hour. <laughs> no, that's fine. I just want to make sure. You, I just want to make sure that we, we got them all. <laughs> I know. Don't no, no, fear not. It is very uh, easy talking about deviant to get derailed and like pop culture explanations and like talking oh, about yeah, how it cool is. it is. Right. It's true. It's so easy. Um, anyway, it is. Uh, invasives. It's about something inanimate that's become a part of you. Um, so cyborg's the obvious one. 
Um, you know, but it can be vision, the gemstone, and you know, the the mind stone in the, in the skull. Um, Would it also be a character like the thing that had rocky hide, or uh, that I, I? It's not really a matter of what it looks like per se. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of how it how it works, how it uh, how it kind of okay. draws its ability. So, like, if you have like a, um, you know, like a cybernetic arm that's the source of your abilities, or if you have um, like a bunch of mechanical internals, like uh, the seven, six million six million dollar man, mm -hmm. yeah, would would qualify. Okay, Robocop yeah. would qualify. You're talking about adding something inanimate, technological, or you know, it can be a mystical bent, but Again, inanimate, not not organic, not, not living. Yeah, it can be nanites. Uh, it can energy. be all kinds of things. Um, and then finally, the uh, invasives. Their thing is they they're the Terminator. They can shut down their variations temporarily to heal. Hmm. Um, so they just keep coming. <laughs> um, that's that's their fun little. That's their adaptation. And for the most part, their uh, their blade variations are focused on on utility, but very subtle in a lot of ways. Like um, they have, there's one called omnicompetence, which just means that you can, you kind of have floating skill dots that you can call on. Oh, nice. Or there's a one that a lot gives you floating merit dots. I had a whole, include a whole bunch of fighting merits mm -hmm. in, and you don't really see that very often in uh, a lot of the Chronicles of Darkness, you know, games with the full splats because, mm -hmm. you know, who's going to pick up, uh, a bunch of martial arts well if you can have any martial art you want um a couple times per session having at least a list of those to, to actually access is kind of important yeah, yeah. so you can download kung fu and whatnot yeah yeah, exactly. yeah that's what um isn't that the character that neil played at midwinter had that the, yes the, yeah he, he had like nanites in yep. his brain that make it so that he was omnicompetent so he could just like yep. All of a sudden, he was real good at one thing, mm -hmm. and yep, then that's... later, real good at another thing. It, it, it was a really cool power to see in action, actually. Yeah, and uh, you know, <laughs> been toned down very slightly from the win midwinter days uh, because <laughs> it got a little out of control in that version. But uh, but well, you know, it's still very much that kind of do this cool thing. For what it's worth, we also like after the playtest at midwinter, I did kind of look at Megan who was running the game, and I was like, some of these are a little broken. Um, and then she explained to me, because at, at the time I hadn't seen as much of the game, she was like, well, we're not playing with scars, so you don't have any drawbacks right now. You can just be badasses. And I was like, oh, so you're only playing with like half the rule set because it's a play test. We just want to see how the powers worked. Um, right. So, yeah. So, like, once once she kind of explained scars to me and explained that, like, if we had been using our powers that much and that over the top in that short of time period, we'd probably all be dead. I was like, oh, okay. At the very least, you're attracting conspiracy attention, which bites you in the next episode. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, um, you know, the now, okay, okay, I'll get to conspiracies. Like, there's just so much to this game. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm still on clays. I'm, I'm like halfway done with character creation. Um, in any case, but uh, then there's the, uh, the mutants, which are um, a little bit like the cephalist in that it's whatever was done to you, something else happened. Mm -hmm. um, but instead of it being, you know, mental trauma, you know, having this, your mind just opens to this power. Instead, it's your body that just suddenly becomes, it changes and it becomes a receptacle for this power. So, uh, you know, the, the flip way I describe it is you get cancer and it gives you superpowers. 
Um, and um, but they are incredibly uh, flexible and versatile. Uh, their adaptation is, and it has comes with a pretty a pretty fair limit and cost, but. Their adaptation is that they can swap out one of their variations for another another universal variation, basically any that isn't associated with a specific clade, mm-hmm. um, once per chapter of, a, of like half half the magnitude, so half as powerful, but a huge amount of variety that you can mm. that you can call upon. So. And all the adaptations are, you know, you, you you can use them once per chapter because they can get really ridiculous. It, you don't have some limit on them, but every clade also comes with an adaptation that lets them overcome the once per cha- chapter thing and kind of make an exception for themselves at an additional cost. Hmm. So it's willpower uh, damage. In the case of the mutant, again, their uh, adaptation is incredibly potent. They actually take instability, which moves them a little closer to um, ab- like final destruction if they're not careful. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So that's the uh, those are the origins origins and clades the the like main splats. Mm-hmm. Uh, also within the uh, within the game, you have a bunch of forms, and a form is basically if a variation and scar combination really can't uh, emulate what you're going for, mm-hmm. you're probably looking for a form. Right. Uh, right. So one example of a, one form is. Uh, is transmissible, which means that your variation is contagious. Your your tra- uh, your not your variation, but your uh, your condition is contagious. So yes, you can be a classic werewolf, mm-hmm. and when you bite someone, um, they might become a werewolf too. Uh, you can become uh, a zombie, <laughs> which is a little silly, but um, but that sort of like you can pass on that uh, that prop that uh, condition with all of the downsides that that comes with, because uh, most people don't survive the attempt at divergence. It's a, it's a very high risk transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, other form we have is, uh, you know, a symbiote you have to kind of bargain with your powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also uh, the self-made uh, which is a little bit more of a, in some ways, a more social thing because it means that you made, you were the responsible for your own transformation, mm-hmm. whether it was an accident or whether it was, you know, you signed yourself up. Um, you know, there's even like one example I can think of in media of an unwilling self-made, which is in uh, Dark City, the scientist mm-hmm. who's basically forced to erase his own memories. Oh, okay. That right. would be an unwilling self-made. Oh, <laughs> so it's it's possible. It's unusual, but it's it is possible. Um, so a group of those, um, and then the last one being an uh, amalgam, where you are multiple different sets of memories. Uh, it doesn't mean that you know you're fighting each other like over the body. That's a that's a different issue, a scar later on. But it means that you have all of these different life experiences to draw on. Uh, the meant the uh, uh, if you remember the Dune series, if you, if you know the books, mm-hmm. uh, they you know have memories of all of the all of the previous generations of them, you know, constantly giving them advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
and it, it's that that could be that would be a uh, an amalgam. Uh, but there are certainly other op- options too, where you know, literally two people got stuck in the same body, and they've figured out how to work together, but uh, but they have two sets of memories. Now, since we've hit some stretch goals, I was able to expand those that list of forms mm-hmm. um, to include uh, the ability to play something that it was not originally human, or uh, or is. Uh, uh, isn't native as, as a human. So you're talking about your visitors from parallel dimensions, your visitors from alternate timelines, mm. your androids, um, and your uh, like uh, uplifted animals. As a random you know, example. So you could, yeah, just <laughs> a random example. <laughs> no, that, the, the true story on this, you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the forms that end up in the uh, under the thought of the of the claims companion were because of play testers going gosh i wish i could have done this and i'm like you're right they totally should let you do that mm. but i'm out of space i'm out of time right. and then they're like hey do you have some stretch goal ideas i'm like oh do i ever <laughs> someone wanted to play a talking squirrel with electrokinesis and that uh pheromone power that let him like convince everyone that he was normal and belonged there um <laughs> so right. or an uplifted raccoon um, who likes technology yeah oh yeah yeah of course of course uh, so stuff like that was uh, had an opportunity to do that. Um, so expanding what you can do with it. Uh, I mean, you know, talking about <laughs> if you wanted to extraterrestrial visitors, you could do ET. It's, it is possible to do that. Um, you know, we're not going to give you an alien civilization to work with, but if you want to say, "Yeah, I am on the run from the government who wants to dissect my alien body." Um, and so these forms are with, in addition to forms. clades and origins, or are they a separate thing? Yes, they're, they're little bits of mechanics that are there to facilitate something that you can't just do with clades and, or with uh, clades and origins and variations and scars. Uh, they're just a little weird. They're not mutually exclusive. You can be both a you know extra dimensional being and oh, let's say the one uh, was if you're an ephemeral like a spirit that's put into a human body. Um, that's another, you know, outsider type, type of story. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, forms are not mutually exclusive. You can be a self-made symbiote. There's, there's nothing that stops you from doing that. Yeah. Um, so it just is, uh, not everyone is going to have them. In fact, I'd say that most people aren't going to have them, but the option is there for someone who wants to play something a little weird. I think that everyone in this game wants to play something a little weird from what I've mm-hmm. seen on the... Chronicles Discord <laughs> over the past week or so. And actually, that uh, is a nice segue into to now going through the, the nested topics we jumped over. Um, we did skip over inspirations. We dropped a lot of inspirations during the course of this conversation so far, but I want to make sure we, we go into like what the actual inspirations for the game were, as well as the, the 9 million pop culture references we can make. Well, I mean, nine, like Dave Brookshaw really came up with the seed of this. Um, he had a list of, I want to say it was like 40 or 50. It was, a, it was a pretty significant list of characters he wanted to make sure that the variations and scars and forms rules could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, you know, if I, if I can't do all of these characters, then I will feel like it's failed and you'll have to fix that. Mm-hmm. A lot of the original inspirations were, uh, you know, things like a dark take on some of the superhero stuff and also things like Akira. Mm-hmm. Um, was a huge inspiration 
Um, and then once, and also just the the notion of we have a lot of games and chronicles. We didn't really have an explicit kind of fight the power game. Yeah, like a lot of it's about fighting each other or fighting for a cause or politics or what have you, fighting to survive. And this one's definitely about like fighting back against the thing that made you what you were. Mm-hmm. It would be like if every vampire game was about new vampires trying to kill the elders, like every single one, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or because, if, be, because if they don't like they were about going after your seeker, like immediately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> seeker, like, keeper, rather. Immediately. Yeah. Um, which doesn't seem like a healthy solution to any of your problems in Changeling. Yeah. So the list that we keep referencing, the big list that, that, that Dave wrote um, and that Eric added to you, is not so much the original inspirations as a list of things that we wanted to make sure you could do with the game. Okay. Um, so like that came far later in the process. Because, um, yeah, it was a whole list that Dave and Eric were using to test for the like essentially completeness of the character building tools, mm-hmm. as Dave said in the Slack. Um, and there there are a lot of them. And it is, I mean... I'm not going to read the whole list because that would take up five minutes for no reason. Right. But it, it, is, it is a huge range. So we have things like Alex Mack, uh, you know, the the clones from Orphan Black, um, all of them. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, uh, Echo from Dollhouse, Eleven, Invisible Man, Jessica Jones, Common Writer, which is also a, yes. a big influence on this. Um, Scanners, Tetsuo from Akira, you know, the Hulk, the Tomorrow People, the Toxic Avenger. Uh, v for Vendetta, like Vincent from the 90s, Beauty and the Beast, like just so many different kinds of people. Um, and then some of the ones that Eric added were things like Deadpool, which a lot of people go to. I, I always go to that with this game because, you know, he's one of the very few superheroes that was given powers but has drawbacks. Right. Um, the Winter Soldier, uh, Ben Hawkins from Carnival, just like all kinds of people that we tried to make with this. Um, just to kind of test the system and see if we could. And you might not be able to make an exact replica of whatever superhero you're trying to make. Like, Superman would be a really boring character to play because the amount of scars you would have to get to make up for all of his powers mm-hmm. would not... It, it, it would be too much. Like, right. it would be the, the the most depressing version of Superman that couldn't use a single power. Um, so yeah, there, there are some things that you can't make. Of course, players at their table can do whatever they want. Like, if players choose to ignore scars and play this more superhero-y, a few people have asked that in the Kickstarter. I'm not mad about it, but also we do have a game called Aberrant. Right. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, if you want to play a super gritty, dark superheroes that are not great guys, a la The Boys, maybe, mm-hmm. um, that might be more doable. Or like Watchmen, maybe. But even then, some of them are a little mm-hmm. too powerful. So, yeah. Well, I mean, that's one thing I find really interesting about this game is because um, uh, for a lot of the other games we work on, there's usually like eight, to, you know, five to ten touchstone inspirational properties. Like, and here's the things that we're trying to draw from. Um, there are some exceptions, like like the various vampire games, because there's a lot of vampire fiction. But usually, it's, we have a pretty focused list. And so when I keep hearing there's this wide, long list, I was like, wow, well, you know, my first instinct as a designer is like does this game have a strong focus? But it really does. That's what's really interesting about this thing. It's one of those things that when you talk about the game at first, you know, it's like, oh, that's kind of interesting, you know, uh, but then we start listing off all the inspirations. It's like, why has no one ever done this exact intersection before? Because you're right, it's not yeah. superheroes specifically. Um, it's not dark horror specifically. 
it, it, it's, it's a little, it's different from action adventure, you know, but you're right. It also has that punk rock vibe that a lot of our games really don't have at the moment. Yeah. I've seen a million people in the Kickstarter comments and on the discord server mentioning Giver and like Giver's on the list y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's between the invisible man and hollow man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but he's he's on the list, like he's there. Uh, so yeah, like they've really, honestly, most of the media that we that we're not seeing on the list is slightly newer stuff, mm-hmm. and that's mostly because we're all of an age. <laughs> sure, right. <laughs> where that's not where we immediately go. But even then, Eric, including things like you know, movie Deadpool and Winter Soldier and stuff, like that's that's recent. Those are touchstones. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually. Uh- I'm currently absorbing My Hero Academia, which is an interesting twist on superheroes that has a little bit of overlap with this. Yeah. Uh, I got you. So that. That's that's recent. Absolutely. Um, but actually, one thing, uh, as you guys have been describing this, that you keep coming up is um, you keep mentioning scars. I wonder if we could talk a little bit more about what those are and how they affect characters at the table. Eric, well, that's all every, you... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know it is. So variations, I think, just by context, you've probably figured out is what we call the, the powers. And a lot of them are, are pretty, uh, are going to be a little bit familiar if you're familiar with, you know, superhero genre at all. Uh, there's I mean, a lot of, a lot of familiar, there's a lot of new stuff too, but there's, you know, you have your flight, you have your super speeds, you have, you know, super strength, all that stuff is going to be in there. But scars, scars in some ways are, are more important and they're a greater emphasis in the game fiction than variations uh, because they are kind of the reason you're so mad. Um, they're a disadvantage. They're a, uh, a problem um, that comes with the power that you have received. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You have three broad categories of scars. And I, I, I feel like they kind of each encapsulate a different type of horror within the, I've got these weird powers that I don't really understand genre. Um, there's the controlled scars, which means that your variations don't always work. They require an activation roll. Um, and they come with a price. Uh, you know, they may cause damage to you. Again, L from uh, Stranger Things. Um, they may cause you to uh, lose the, some of your ability to, like, walk or, or use your hands temporarily. They might cost willpower. They might cause you to forget everything that happened when that power was being used, um, <laughs> which is a pretty significant yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but each one has some disadvantage. A concentration it means that you know when you're, if you get distracted while you're using your power, it just de- turns off. Really great when you when you're flying, for uh, you know, <laughs> a, a, you know, a, a helicopter passes a little too close to, you and suddenly you're not flying anymore. Um, so those are, again, the, I don't know whether the power will be there when I need it. Um, and I don't, or I don't know whether my using the power will drain my resources to the point where I can't use it when I need it even more than I need it now. So that's, that's controlled. Involuntary scars mean your variations act up, they activate on their own, um, either because of you know, just randomness um, there's, uh, or because of specific stimulus that you can avoid. So, you know, you get in the sun and suddenly, you know, you're, you know, have lightning shrouding you. Uh, that could be a problem for, you know, 
going to the grocery store and not attracting attention from, you know, the conspiracies they're hunting you. Right. Um, so involuntary variations are um, a little bit more of the, of the sort of Hulk feel where you're kind of nervous all the time because either you could run into something that will cause your power to activate um, or it just might overflow at a bad moment um, and hurt someone around you or hurt innocent bystanders or just attract attention when you really can't afford to have attention drawn to you. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's the involuntary horror. The, uh, my body is doing things that I can't stop it from doing. Right. Um, because my powers are acting on their own. And then there's the persistent scars, which are the sort of permanent flaws or, or vulnerabilities that you have that you just, you just can't, you can't escape. They're always there. Um, you know, your vulnerability to something, the sort of bane effects, uh, your um, uh, having um, uh, amnesia mm -hmm. is another one. Some of them also are very specific, like are there to kind of reinforce problems that deviants already have. There's one called lying eyes that makes it really hard for you to convince people to trust you, mm. even when and especially if you're trying to tell them the truth. Um, you have you know paranoia, which makes it so that you have a really hard time trusting anybody. Frozen heart, which means you have a really hard time opening up and understanding people. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, some of them are social, some of them are mental, some of them are physical. I mean, fewer health levels is a scar um, in in a couple different scenarios, or you know, bleeding faster. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all of these disadvantages. And when I think about what is, especially persistent scars. I think about what it takes away from you. Right. Uh, and Dixie, mm -hmm. you remember the characters that we had for Midwinter. Um, I thought I did a pretty decent job of you know expressing this person used to be a basketball player. Yeah. Like, he wasn't like a star, but this was something he was really passionate about. He liked to go out and play, play basketball with his friends. But after the divergence, he couldn't like walk up a flight of stairs without having to sit down for 10 minutes. Right. It took something fundamental from him. And yeah, he's angry about it. Uh, there was a you know a beach bunny who liked to be in the sun all the time. The divergence caused it so that getting in the sun causes damage to her, like burns her skin. Mm. So the thing that she used to do for fun, for leisure, is over. Um, you know, you had the uh, the nun who was an elementary school teacher that had just retired not long ago, and suddenly she had this urge to kill anyone who opposed her. Like, she would get very violent if someone got in an argument Oh, yeah, with she her. was a really interesting character. Mm-hmm. Because it was, like, and, anyone you know, that just opposed her. It was like, uh-oh. Yeah. yeah, and it's, like, she, you know, rationally, you know, intellectually, she knows that it's the divergence. It's not something that is her. She has a history, you know, all of, the, like, you know, the drawings from her various students over the years that she's collected and, you know, all of the pictures of her having fun with her kid, these kids. And now she couldn't be trusted in that situation. And it's because of this. Why is she angry? I can't imagine. Um, so persistent uh, scars are very much, you know, something that takes away from you. The interesting thing about scars across the board is they're all tied to, you know, physical, mental, or social. Same there's a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. And so they feed on, um, the attributes of whatever they're associated with. So a mental scar, uh, the variation 
is entangled in some way with intelligence, wits, and resolve. Um, and so there's a significant advantage to having high mental attributes. But the thing is, of course, every mental scar makes it so you have a harder time dealing with certain mental tasks. So where you were strongest is now also your vulnerability. Hmm. If you were a super social character and you have a bunch of social scars, the fact that you have high social attributes means that your variation is more powerful, but you also have a scar that makes it so it's much harder to deal with social situations. Interesting. So, and the same with physical. So basically, it's um, uh, 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 the more powerful the character you become, the more the backlash that happens as a result of using those powers. Yes, the more powerful the variation, the more powerful the scar that must be entangled with it must be must be connected to it. Yeah, which is why my example of Superman not being the best person to try to make. Right. I wouldn't not even try. Great. Quite yeah. honestly. Well, yeah, because he has all these powers and one yeah. weakness. Yeah, so, he's, yeah. And it's not even a not even much of a weakness. It's it's like a rare, a very rare bane. Right, right. It's it's like yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, yes. At, at most, a, a magnitude three scar. <laughs> so, our variations in scars are rated on a scale from one to five. Five being the most powerful, one being the the smallest. It's just like one to five dots. I'm guessing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's one to five right. dots. Now, um, they aren't. They don't cost more experience. You don't have to buy the second dot of variation to get the third dot. Uh, when you buy the variation, you say, okay, here's the scar it's entangled with, and as long as it can support that a variation of the magnitude that you want, that's the magnitude. Oh, so you purchase them more closer to, like, say, merit or a gift. Uh, a little bit more like a, a little bit more like a gift than okay. merit. Uh, because, um, for example... I'll get into entanglement a little bit more, but uh, if you are willing to take a magnitude five scar, you can entangle it with a magnitude five variation. Mm-hmm. The good news is, is magnitude five variation is really awesome. Yeah. The problem is that magnitude five scar is really nasty. So it's very much a decide what is uh, what you want to do, uh, whether whether you're willing to pay that price. Okay. Cool. So yeah, let's, let's talk about entanglement then. Uh, entanglement, it, every scar is connected to a, one or more variations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, when you first create a character, you have a certain number of dots of variations to, to power up based on how what the power level of the game is. You can start at a very gritty level of game where you have a total of two magnitude plus one you get from your origin. Mm-hmm all the way up to 15 plus one magnitude for your origin. Uh, so you can have a very wide range of, of capabilities with starting characters. Uh, but when you, once you decide on what kind of variations you want, you have to make sure you have enough scar, you have the scars that will support that. Mm-hmm. Now you can do a one for one. If you have a magnitude five variation, you must have a magnitude five scar. There's, there's no way around that. But if you want two magnitude four scar uh, variations, you can have one magnitude five scar and entangle it with both of them. Mm. And there's, it's sort of like a little pyramid of things. So, um, and, you know, it's, if you go to the manuscript, it'll tell you the exact breakdown of how many you can have of each um, based on the magnitude. But, uh, but how it's, which scar you're entangled, your variation is entangled with determines what attribute category it feeds off of. Okay. So, 
anyway. Um, so, I mean, uh, I mean, it's cool. Um, uh, it, it does sound like there's a lot of flexibility, and more specifically, rather than a mm. traditional superhero game where these penalties are usually used to offset point values or to give you kind of a way to generate points, it sounds like these are much more of a personal, uh, a direct penalties for using these abilities. Yes, and it's probably your main source of beats in this game. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I believe in using carrots uh, to encourage the playing of a disadvantage rather than than, uh, than sticks, because if I'm a storyteller, I can't keep track of everyone's disadvantages very easily. I've got so many other things going on. Right. But you as a player can track your own abilities. Mm-hmm. Everyone does. But tracking your scars, tra- tracking those downsides, there's, a, there's not much of an incentive by itself to you know, remind the gym, oh yeah, actually I can't do that because you know, I'm, I'm out of breath. Um, you, know, you may forget. But whenever a beat disadvantages you or complicates something for your cohort, you get a beat for it. So there's an advantage, not only of the mechanical effect, but an advantage of making sure that it comes into play occasionally. Because again, scars are more important to the game than the variations. Variations are great. They're fun. They make the game a lot of a, a joy to play, and you can do all sorts of cool stuff with them. But as far as the story element of it, the scars are so, so, so important to the, to the tone and the style of the game. And so get rewarding players for, for actually playing up their scars um, makes the game feel more like the game that I want that's, to be. Actually, that's really fascinating because uh, it, it is such an inverse of – a lot of games, period. I mean, it's not even superhero games, but like really a lot of our games are some form of we want you to use these cool powers. And it sounds like what I'm hearing is like, yeah, the cool powers are, are fun. You should use them. But the story doesn't drive forward unless those scars are really popping up and moving. Um, so actually, let's, let's, let's dig a little bit into it because we, we, we talked a lot about the character creation, about the mechanics. Um, uh, uh, last time we chatted, um, you talked a bit about conspiracies. And we didn't really touch on it here, but... Um, Basically, character creation involves also the creation of a commiserate conspiracy. So maybe talk more about that relationship a bit more. Oh, yes. Conspiracies are one of the fundamental things behind like, that is universal the game. In fact, whenever I was designing variations, I had to think, okay, would this variation make it so that you can't, like the conspiracy chasing you thing is not a plot point that you can mm-hmm. do. So there's no time travel. There's no dimension hopping. Uh, there's no... Uh, you know, going off planet. Yeah, yeah. the conspiracy will always have some plausible way of getting you. The cons- right. The, the whole idea is that you are on the run from the conspiracy, and if, they, if you don't have that, you don't really have a DVD mm-hmm. game. It's really not a Renegades game. Right. Um, now, conspiracies, their power level is based on the power level of the characters you start out with. So if you have a, you know, standing one conspiracy, so you have the two dots of, of variations at your disposal, um, that's not going to be nearly as scary as if you start out with 15 dots of variations, and now it's a standing six variation, much more scary thing. And they have, uh, it's built very similarly to the uh, the crew mechanics in Geist. Okay. Mm-hmm. But Geist, the crew is predominantly, or at least kind of assumed to be someone that's on your side. Uh, whereas conspiracies are, are the bad guys. Um, so we, could do, we do a little bit of different things with them. Um, every conspiracy is made up of nodes, which is like um, individual chunks of the conspiracy. Uh, like, let's say you have a laboratory and all the people in it that are doing 
that are part of this conspiracy. Then you have like the accounting department of the conspiracy that makes sure the money Mm -hmm. flows. And you have the uh, public relations department that makes sure that like if you try to do bad things to them, then the newspapers run your your face in the newspaper as like this horrible fugitive. Um, And so it's not as simple as, you know, you just find one person and just end them. Uh, The nodes are, you're up against baselines, you're up against normal people. But there are a lot of them, and they're not all in one. So place. you're not really in a situation yeah. where it's like there's one mad scientist who's created you, a la like say uh, a Promethean. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I mean, there are progenitor is a pretty important relationship, but it's not the only relationship with conspiracies. You'll okay. Find. There will always be, you know, those uh, the bounty hunters that are chasing you, the mafia that are shaking down your your uh, your neighbors and your friends to try to get at you. Um, and so when you want to take down a conspiracy, you, you basically don't research the entire conspiracy, you research one of its nodes and say, okay, this is the laboratory that is connected to the conspiracy. And within each node, you have a linchpin character. It's one person who is a villain, not the villain, but a villain. And if you take that person out, whether it's convince him that what he's doing is terrible or kill her or, um, you know, get her arrested, uh, you know, whatever it takes to get that person out of the picture, it destroys the node too. Um, you see the, that sort of mechanic a little bit in Orphan Black, where you know, they're taking down the, these individual people and once, you know, uh, Dr. Leakey is dead, you know, it, that is a significant setback for the entire conspiracy. Right, or um, HSU when they're going after Hydra, you know. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Y'all keep referencing things I haven't seen, so I can't pop in with my pop culture references. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Watch it. Watch it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I have no interest in it. Conspiracies also have icons, which are comparable to uh, Reliquary, I think is the mechanic in Geist. Um, they're kind of the, rather than being necessarily a physical thing, they're basically a nodes or a conspiracy superpowers. Um, so it's like, uh, you know, being connected to the mafia in the area. And so nobody will want to talk to you if you try to, like basically if you talk, if you ask around about the conspiracy, um, it'll get back to the conspiracy that that's what you're doing. And it's hard, and people are less likely to talk mm. to you about it because they're afraid that the mob is going to show up and like, you know, burn down their house. If they tell too much about the conspiracy to a perfect stranger, especially one with, you know, an extra couple fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, but icons, you know, have a, a lot of different variety in them. Uh, but they're, yeah, they're basically the the conspiracy superpowers. And then projects are sort of like what they've got going on. Um, if they're not actively working against the characters, they're just getting more powerful and getting more projects in play. And they get a little bit more frightening if you let them just sit. So you do want to keep them on their toes um, by opposing them. Now, when you're creating your characters, you actually also create a conspiracy that you're, they're currently mm-hmm. on the run from. Now, you can do one where it's one conspiracy that made all of their characters. You can do everyone is in the same clade, could even be the same origin. That's not going not gonna to prevent you from having all sorts of variety in terms of mm-hmm. character concepts. But, it's, but it is very possible to do you know, one conspiracy, one clade, one origin, and that's the whole group. Um, but you can also very easily do one that you can have characters with other, with multiple different conspiracies that are, were originally chasing them. 
Uh, in the playtest I did, we had a group that was a conspiracy that they kind of that was kind of known among other conspiracies as animal control, and sort of as a derisive nickname for this conspiracy that was well known for making um, animals that were good at hunting deviants. Mm -hmm. But animal control was also really well known for hunting and finding deviants that nobody else seemed to be able to catch. Uh, so if you had, say, a body-swapping grandmother <laughs> who kept on going from body to body, uh, looking for a younger and more attractive body each time, that's hard to track. Right. So you call animal control. You know, if you have a talking squirrel with electrokinesis and the ability to make every human think that, you know, they should, they should listen to the squirrel, <laughs> you call animal control. You know, if you have a Cthuloid monstrosity whose uh, deadly tentacles cause people to rise as Cthuloid entities, you call mm -hmm. animal control. If you have an invisible saber-toothed tiger hunting down each of your conspiracy members and offing them in clever and cool ways, for God's sake, <laughs> call animal control. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so they were fair. All of them had different conspiracy backgrounds, but when they were making a conspiracy, this is the one that we're going to be making as part of the character creation. They okay. made animal control, and uh, and like uh, you know, you design like talk about it. Okay, a couple nodes that you can choose each, each person in the character creation rules. And the thing is, is, you know, if you, if the players are not really into making the opposition, you don't have to, but if you, my players love it and I know a lot of others will, you can say, okay, each person gets to create a node, like describe one thing that this uh, conspiracy has that um, you may have to deal with um, or a character that they, that they have to deal with. Icon, same thing. Um, Lynchpin, same thing. So you have a lot of uh, of out of character understanding of it, so that it's a lot easier to play along with the plot of dealing with these conspiracies. And in fact, part of the uh, of the of the process of running a session is at the end of each session, everyone. And this is optional, but again, very fun. And Megan's group loved it. They just ate it up uh, when she did play tests. Uh, but you, everyone takes on the role of one of the linchpin characters mm -hmm. and you have a little oh. meeting and talk about what your plot is, your plans oh, are for the next session as the enemies. Um, or, you know, you can extend that out to, okay, let's say that they like went berserk in a mall and hurt a lot of people. You could all take on the role of a bunch of witnesses that are being debriefed about what they saw uh, and, you know, talk about the trauma. So you can drive home, you know, how awful that situation really was and you know um but it's you know it gives you because the renegades are not nice people but the conspiracies they oppose are right. worse and i think it's important to make sure that it is clear that that's the case because otherwise it just becomes you know you know shit dark yeah. <laughs> uh it being beyond grim dark it's just and that's not really the goal um it is a there is a darkness there there is a lot of there is a pretty violent game um and, but I mean, these people are wronged and the people that were wronged with wronged by are going to wrong other people. So, I mean, stopped. it sounds like is, is the renegades are anti-heroes, but they're still heroes in a certain respect. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, that all sounds really exciting. And I mean, uh, even though I knew some bits of it, I, I, I've learned so much that makes me even more excited about this game. 
Um, we have a couple of minutes left, so um, maybe you could talk a little bit about some stretch goals that are either unlocked or are coming up that you're really excited about. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited about pretty much anything that involves me getting to write more stuff. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, the clay, <laughs> you know how that goes. I mean, <laughs> but uh, the Clades Companion is uh, conceived as a five-part uh, series of like they're, you know, it's not every stretch goal, but you know. A couple other uh, mm. five parts to it that we hope to all of them be unlocked yeah uh, the first two are well one of them is definitely unlocked the other one is just under 300 dollars away just operators are standing by <laughs> um, <laughs> although this is releasing what nine days right. from now so yeah hopefully we've <laughs> unlocked a couple since then i hope i hope so too but uh, chimerics, so the cephal went in order of the of the clades. Um, it's, and while it's called the clades companion, it isn't specific to each clade. It's just a nice, clever way, or I think clever way of encapsulating a set of rule systems that um, I right. want to include in this game. That I, you know, just, otherwise, there's no way that I would have space mm -hmm. for in a, in a core. Um, the cephalus was here. Have some new forms that would take a lot of space to explain um, in the form section. But uh, but do like really nifty and weird things. Um, so that that's the ones mm -hmm. I was talking about earlier. Um, and I mentioned the uplifted animals. You know, the one thing that I've always like, I, I won't say agonized over, but anytime I've had someone who wanted mm -hmm. a pet in a game, in a Chronicles of Ergos game, it's like, just where, where are the pets? Like, <laughs> I have to go online. And like, uh, so one of the things I decided I really wanted to do was have like, okay, I've got these characters who have access to a power called animal transformation. So you can pick, you know, change right. into an animal. Um, what are the stats? I've got uh, characters who can now have, have are uplifted animals. What are the stats? I have manticores, which are, uh, are basically animals that have gone beyond mm -hmm. the divergence. They're not uplifted. They're not fully sapient, but they're animal companions. Mm -hmm. What are the stats? And so the Chimerics expansion of, of the Clades Companion was intended to provide stats for all of that stuff and to very carefully integrate it with the mechanics that I'm going to be adding in the, uh, in the form for uplifted mm. animals or, and for animal transformation. So instead of just saying, gosh, I wonder what, you know, can, let's make a judgment call, just say, okay, this one, this requires you to have this magnitude of animal transformation or um, you do follow this particular Hit a bit of mechanical rule in uh, in uplifted animal. Okay. Um, so it's it's fully integrated with the with the with existing systems. In addition to giving lots of op uh, examples of animals and um, and manticores uh, in there. And uh, so the. Hmm. <laughs> How, how, how optimistic do I want to be here? Shoot for the moon. What was the question? Shoot for the moon. Oh, boy. I guess you'd cut out anything that, that comes in that I don't have, we aren't anywhere close to by then. But, you know, it's 12 days away. That's, um, so uh, coactives is one of the things that we just didn't have space for was ephemeral entities rules. Uh, and, you know, so... We had to do some interesting tiptoeing around not having ephemeral entity rules uh, when we were doing like coactives. And I think we did a really good job with it in the core. You don't have to have the Clay's Companion to have um, mm -hmm. have those kind of characters. But it adds something to have some form of ephemeral entities rules in there. And moreover, I've got this 
toolkit game right. going on. Like I want, like the, the, you know, I'm already talking in the in the uh, cephalus part about you know people who get to play visitors from alternate dimensions, alternate timelines, and like you know embodied ephemeral entities. So I feel like there has to be some more fun stuff to that. And so I kind of want to play with the coactives. The idea is to have a toolkit in addition to the ephemeral entities rules, but have a toolkit that lets you um, kind of make up new worlds, like not huge fully realized ones, but like when you talk about this is where I'm from and these are the, these are the things that I, uh, mm. I considered normal. You have at least a little bit of, of a starting point um, to have those conversations with your, with your new friends who mm. are on the run from whatever is pursuing them. So that's, that's really coactives. Um, so uh, yeah, we've hit our hour. Um, so your promised time has expired. <laughs> um, is is this how we yes. do it now, Eddie? Do we have a do we have a rule on this podcast? <laughs> this is the only rule we have, apparently. Um, and we'll forget it by next I, week. So I feel like we've never had a rule. <laughs> we do try to keep it to an hour because I think we we had one interview that went an hour twenty. So we did like the mm-hmm. shortest ever like intro outro. Because <laughs> let's face it, we like to bullshit oh. during the intros and outros. If I if I spoil a little bit more at the risk of sure. not hitting those stretch goals, sure. Can I have five minutes? Maybe, maybe not even five minutes. I'll give you three. Um, <clears throat> okay. That's the rule. So I'm the invasive right now. Piece of it is yeah is providing additional equipment. There's a really cool ability in um, among the invasive variations where you can like pull random things out of your that are just like you just define. I have this thing in a pouch. Um, you know, there's some limits. But there's not a whole lot of lists of things to pull out of the pouch, so we want to give more equipment lists as well, uh, so that you don't have to have the core Chronicles of Darkness rulebook if you don't have that handy. But also, I want to do shoddy equipment. Deviants do not always have access to the most high-quality goods, hmm. because whenever they use resources, it attracts attention to the conspiracies. Hmm. So they sometimes have to make do with stuff that they like scrounge or make or steal. Hmm. Um, so I want to do something about shoddy equipment, uh, dubious goods and services in general. Uh, and I also, I want to do experimental prototypes and, uh, alien technology, things that are not fully understood or don't have all the bugs worked out and, uh, have some mechanics around that too, because that seems like a thing a deviant should have access to too. Sure. Absolutely. Bleeding edge technology. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's invasives. Sweet. Nice. The last one is uh, when we do the mutants, I'm going to add a, some more forms. Um, and this time we're going to deal with ones that kind of violate some of the kind of assumptions that you would usually have, uh, such as uh, if you are a series of clones and your mind can jump from one clone body to the next. So if you die, it's a temporary thing rather than a, a major problem. Um, or, uh, I mean, like whether it's, you know, it's the same one over and over again, or your consciousness can just hop into someone else who just happens to be nearby and ethics be damned, or whether you have kind of a wardrobe of alternate bodies lined up. It's like if you're an Android and, you know, have some sort of center for those. Uh, so that's, that's a set of, that's a form. Um, and then another one that kind of lets you play something that is not humanoid in, in shape. Um, so a, uh, an uploaded, a transferred consciousness, Onto, like something on an AI mainframe, 
And so those are the those are the five for the Clades Companion. And then there's more after that, which I'll save for another time. You get 20 seconds. <laughs> Kickstarter's going right now. Um, not sure where exactly it is, but operators are standing by. Please, please, please tell your friends, family, random people on the street. Just help us hit these uh, these stretch goals. It's an awesome game. You won't regret it. All right, you're done. Yeah, you, you could really time that very well. I, I did. I was watching the counter. <laughs> I was literally timing it. Nice. Uh, if people wanted to chat with you online, Eric, uh, how would they find you? Uh, you can, I haunt the forum pretty extensively on Onyx Path. Uh, I just can't resist a question. Again, extroverted creative type. It just asked me a question and I, I'm compelled to answer. Um, I've been replying a lot in comments. I'm also on Twitter at uh, fourmoonspress, um, which is uh, as in the, the word spelled out of the number. F-O-U-R Moonspress. F-O-U-R Moonspress. Four Moons Press, no numerals. No numerals. All right. Well, thank you for hanging out with us, Eric, and we will go on to the outro. And we're back. I've been busy uh, playing Mario Kart, of course, earning more and more crowns, which was a lot very easy <laughs> when I wasn't competing against anybody. I just imagine there's like a stack of crowns now teetering on your head. Yeah. Yeah, you're just hoping <laughs> one of them might fall on you, but but no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he just starts casually throwing them in the trash in front of you. <laughs> Setting fire to them, eating out of them, using them as a toilet. Because even that is better than putting one on your head, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> all right, after we're done recording, we're going back to this. I, I gotta, I gotta stop the okay, all right. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Redemption. Sorry, call back, call back to a few episodes ago. Taking a bio break in one of my crowns. <laughs> no, there we go. <laughs> I am. I am going to say one thing to like, just to make Eddie feel a little better. He did pick Donkey Kong. Who is one of the slowest characters? Mm. Well, no, no. Donkey Kong has a very high speed, just a very slow acceleration. I think. Well, right, that's what I'm saying. So every mm. time you get like hit with something or whatever, it takes, it takes you forever to come back to it. And we did keep hitting Eddie. Yeah, oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> I'm bruised. But the uh, Onyx torture yeah. cast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's infinite possibilities stretching out ahead of us now. <laughs> so yeah, um, Deviant. But Deviant, yes. Uh, speaking of torture, um, uh, uh, Deviants are characters that were created by torture. See that seamless segue that happened there? Mm-hmm. That, was, that was great. Yeah, I planned um, that. You, you did totally. I'm, I'm definitely building off of your where you're going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but no, I mean, it's it, it, uh, like I said before. I mean, it, it was genuinely cool to uh, hear uh, Eric's enthusiasm, and, and for, also for both of you, kind of talk about a little bit like how you know the history of it. You know. The, Dave Brookshaw's kind of inception of it and then moving on to Eric kind of stewarding the rest of the project. I think that stuff's really uh, exciting and interesting. Yeah, I know that we don't talk like, we have a, a, a few books that have been co-developed in this fashion as opposed to co-developed from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it is interesting when we hand off a project, often it happens in red lines or mm-hmm. like around red lines. Um, like we did with Becca's Jihad Diary with Neil and Matthew. Right. And then with this Wayne with with Dave and then Eric. And like something just happens that someone has too much on their plate and they just can't finish something in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to get like 
awful with people about that. We want them to continue to be part of the project if, if possible. So it's nice when we have somebody as enthusiastic as Eric to step in and take over. Um, just because the alternative would be a lot worse, obviously. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, uh, and also it's been uh, exciting to watch him because he's been very enthusiastic in the Kickstarter comments as well. Um, so if you've already backed Deviants, odds are you've talked to Eric already. Yeah, literally um, as we are recording, he posted a comment 14 minutes ago. He posted a comment 16 minutes ago. He posted a comment a couple hours ago. <laughs> um, so several comments a couple hours ago. Like, he's just, like, if you have a question about DV and the Renegades, go to the Kickstarter, back for a dollar, and ask it in the comments. Eric will get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, it's, um, and, and frankly, I mean, the fact that we, we talked about the pop culture references to it, but, I mean, it, it's just neat to see a new chunk of an established world kind of being born mm-hmm. um and, and having uh, someone help to articulate that was, was really valuable so i I, mean, I think it was great to bring him on um i think we should keep trying to do more of these where we can it is i mean we'll do our own three-person deep dives as it makes sense but also i think once while bringing a developer on or someone who's very heavily involved with it and talking about it gives a different perspective yeah totally also i mean it's a nice way to have somebody that we've like interviewed before, talked to before, back to talk about something really specific. Because mm-hmm. when we're talking to someone that's worked with us on a few different books, you know, we're trying to cover all of that, like Megan Fitzgerald, for instance. Right. So it'd be cool to have her do, you know, a deep dive into Changeling Lost or a deep dive into her Exalted projects or something, just, you know, to kind of narrow the focus. Mm. Mm. Yeah, completely agree. Mm. Mm. Speaking of which, have we done mm. a deep dive? On, we haven't done deep mm. dive on uh, Chicago yet, have we? Oh, or any of the upcoming uh, V5 books either. Uh, I guess with yeah. Chicago very soon coming to press, it would be timely. Yeah, uh, or they came that. from beneath the sea, for that matter. That's not all true. We have not, we have not done that. We did um, Pugmire. We haven't done Day Came From. So, yeah, that's a good point. Does that mean that we get to grill you? Yes. Uh, I don't mind. I could endure a grilling. I think it might be quite fun. You can question my expertise and talent. Don't worry, I question it every day. It won't be any different. <laughs> I'll say we, we can burn your crowns and roast you over top of that. Yep, yep. Well, there's enough of them. I imagine you could create <laughs> quite a flame. Um, so if people wanted to talk to you about your uh, uh, Mario Kart expertise or about Deviant the Renegades, where would they find you, Dixie? Uh, Dixie Cyanide on most social media. Uh, you almost surprised me there because I was reading a poem about Untitled Goose Game. Um <laughs> Because of course you were. I was retweeting a poem about Untitled Goose Game because <laughs> I am thinking about being the titular goose for Halloween. Um, and I'm just going to steal things all night. Anyway, uh, you can find me at Dixie Cyanide on most social media, DixieCochran.com. That's pretty much it. I'm around. I'm on Twitter. Before we move on, can you be the titular goose if it is, in fact, explicitly an untitled game? Yes. Okay. Mm. Matthew, where can they find you at? <laughs> Ooh, would it be the titular goose or the eponymous goose? Probably the eponymous goose. Probably his barman eponymous goose. Uh, but if you want to talk with me, I haven't played the uh, the Untitled Goose game, but uh, you can find me on MatthewDawkins.com. You can find me as ClackClickBang on Twitter. And please do follow Twitch.tv slash The Onyx Path for all of our actual plays. I think this week we have finally uh, had our first week of every single day has had some new content on it, which is quite stunning. We've got that many actual plays going 
and October is character creation month. Every Saturday is a different game, and we're creating characters for each of them, and then come November we will be doing one-shot month using those characters. Uh, So uh, this coming Saturday we have Scarred Lands, and I believe the plan is for the following week to be Deviant. Uh, We also have plans for Scion, uh, Trinity, and a game that may well be decided by Poll. So uh, keep an eye on the Onyx Path blog and Twitter. We will see where best to host a poll like that. Sounds good. And uh, you can find me at uh, pugsteady.com. And from there, you can find links to all my different social media accounts. Um, uh, One thing I'm doing in October is Inktober. Um, I'm not much of a artist in terms of drawing, um, but it's something I wanted to try to learn how to do. So if you really want to check out my not so great drawing for the month of October, um, feel free to uh, check out my Instagram account, which again is linked off of pugstudy.com. We should all like commit to do that together. And then that would be fun. Well, by the time this has gone live, uh, uh, it'll be deep into at least a week into October. So we'll find out if you did three days or or four days into October when this goes live. Gotta catch up. It's Come October on. 4th for those listening to this the day it drops. <laughs> um, but also, uh, even outside of us, um, definitely uh, follow us, uh, The Onyx Path on Twitter, The Onyx Path Facebook group. Um, we have a Discord. Uh, we have uh, a Twitch channel, as Matthew mentioned. Um, theonyxpath.com definitely come check us out um if you're interested in knowing about the status of upcoming project check out our monday meeting vlogs which goes into a list of where each product is every week um so with that many worlds we're back next time